All right, everybody, welcome to Wednesday night service. It's great to see everybody this evening. Praise the Lord. I know that Christmas is just a couple days away, but we've got time for Jesus tonight, right? Because it's his birthday party all month long, and we're enjoying that. But praise God, we're going to hear the word, and we're going to worship him together tonight. We're going to go ahead and open up our service by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. So let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. Praise God, and we're going to speak some words of faith because we are seeing America come to Jesus. Who believes that with me tonight? Amen. We are going to see it. So let's go ahead and say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord some praise tonight. Hallelujah. You may be seated. You may be seated. Very good. Well, we got a few announcements to go over here. Uh, just to remind you of a few things, but we have had an awesome month of December so far. We've just been able to, uh, of course, uh, uh, exalt the name of Jesus and have a great time with the church family together too. So I've loved every minute of it. But we want to remind you here, first of all, if you did not get your 2022 church calendar, those are available now, all right? And I know every year that's just on the top of your list. You got to get one. And so they're awesome. It's got a new verse every month and a very beautiful nature scene. And, and you know, it may sound crazy to you, but I've got to have a good nature scene every month of the year. That's a big deal to me. And then you get a Bible verse. I mean, what better gift than that right there, all right? Okay, also we want to let you know that the HGWC bookstore is having a Christmas sale Everything in there is 20% off for the entire month of December, all right? And, of course, Christmas is Saturday, so this is likely your last chance before them to take advantage of that. All right, and then, of course, the uh, Christmas Eve candlelight service is when? Friday night. Friday night at 6 p.m. Amen. And this is one of our absolute favorite times of the year. I've had so many people talking to me all week. They're very excited about this. So Friday night at 6 p.m. for about a half an hour, not very long at all, but some people come out in their pajamas, other people want to dress up for it. Just however you want to be here, be here, but we're going to sing Christmas songs, we're going to read the Christmas story, and have a wonderful time celebrating Jesus uh, for Christmas Eve. And of course, we light our candles for Silent Night. It's an awesome, awesome service. And then... Sunday morning, we have church, okay? I know some people are like, but hey, it's the day. Why would you skip church on Jesus' birthday? Come on. It's all about him. And so Sunday morning, the 26th, we do have service at 10 a.m. Now, there is no p.m. service Sunday night, okay? We're going to give all of our ministry of helps, workers, and volunteers a chance to uh, have a night off and, and be together. So, But hey, if you want to have church, you come on up to this parking lot. I'll make sure it's open, and you can you can do it together, all right? Praise the Lord. Uh, I also want to tell you that 
next Wednesday, one week from now, is the final service of 2021. And this has been an absolute banner breakthrough home run year for High Desert Word Center and so many of your lives. It's, I mean, it's been the best year we've ever had as a church since I've been around. It's been off the charts incredible. But uh, next Wednesday night, I'm going to have my dad. He's so good at this. Uh, he's going to be doing a message and, and teaching us how to close out the old year and start off the new year right. And I believe it is important to kick off a brand new year on the right track and on the right foot and uh, really in the right spiritual state. And so anyway, be here next Wednesday night and we're going to take advantage of the very final service of 2021 and get ready for 22. Who's excited about 2022? Ah, man, I'm excited. We've got some big things for the church and some big things in all of our lives. It's going to be absolutely incredible. All right. Who knows what time it is now? It's happy time, and I'm going to have Mrs. Pastor, my dear sweet mother, come on up and do the Wednesday night tithes and offerings. You can keep calling me dear sweet mother. That's nice. There you go. Hallelujah. (laughs) Praise God. Well, welcome everybody to service tonight. Um, Scripture I'm going to use tonight is Psalms 35, 27, and I'm in the New King James tonight says, let them shout for joy and be glad. You know, that's a choice. You can be glad or you can be sad or you can be mad. But I choose to shout for joy and I choose to be glad. Why? Who favor my righteous cause. What is his righteous cause? His righteous cause is that he died for us, right? He died for all these people in Barstow who have never received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's the cause. That's the righteous cause is souls. And let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. He doesn't have pleasure in poverty. He's a God of abundance. He isn't a God of poverty. So that's good news. Amen. What's good news to a poor man? You don't have to be poor anymore. Amen. If you need an offering, uh, an envelope for your offering, raise your hand and our ushers will be more than happy to serve you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, let's stand and say our financial faith confession. One of these days on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night when we have lots of time and I'm doing this, I'm going to go through here and I'm going to say, how many of you received a job or a better job? How many of you received promotion? We've even got a person here that gets uh, royalties. (laughs) I think, well, that's pretty cool. Okay. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so that I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously into the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, when you're done dropping off your tithes and offerings, join us at the altar and let's worship the Lord tonight. To God be the glory. Amen. We're rising up. 
want to lift you up high. Lift your name up high, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Never know. I know how much. 
Father, from our hearts, we sing the words of that song. Lord, we know that without you, we'd be lost, helpless, hopeless. Without you, Lord, we'd have no hope for the future. But because of you and how good you are, what you've done for us and what you're doing today, we just say, Jesus, you're wonderful. You're magnificent. You are all in all. And as we celebrate this season, where at least most of the world acknowledges that you really were here, but Christians acknowledge that not only were you here, but you still are here because you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And tonight, you being the living word, I want to thank you for making things real tonight help the ones watching this this on the internet and the ones that are here, help them to see and to know what they can do to have and enjoy the life that you've got for us down here, plus eternal life in the world to come. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. He's so good. His mercy endures forever. Amen. How many just love to lose all the time? Nobody. Good. You're the right crowd then. And how many have already lost more than you want to lose? And you're ready for more wins. Amen. Well, tonight we're going to be talking about, and and you know, when I was praying today, I was just really thinking about people that I know that have come to my prayer line and the Christians I deal with in life. And so many times they don't know if things go on in their life, if it's God or the devil. You know, that's a strange thing, but so many Christians, they don't know. Uh, so, so the best title I come up with tonight is this, how to know if it's God or Satan working in your life. Because too many people don't know because they're led more by their senses, more by their thought process, than they are the Word of God. But the more that your mind's renewed to the Word of God, and the more you know what the Bible has to say about things you're faced in life, then there need be no doubt if it's God or if it's Satan trying to steal from you. And so this, that's what we want to talk about tonight. But I want to, I want to start off with, look at Hebrews chapter 11. I, I'm not off, I'm on. Tom, did you turn me off? Don't turn me off, Tom. I got some, you don't want to hear this? Well, the rest of them, they want to hear it, Tom. What do we need to do? Well, let's see. Okay, hey, good. Tom likes you. He turned it back on. (laughs) Blame it, old Tom. No, we're not going to blame you, Tom. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Hear a little excitement out there. Somebody likes the word to get ready to hear. But tonight's a life changer. If you've ever been confused about what's going on in your life and where it's coming from, it's a life changer. So Hebrews 11, 6 says that without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is. Let me ask you this. It's not, it's not a set-up question. How many here believe that God exists, that he is? Amen. You believe that. 
Amen. So it says that's, that, that's the number one step to pleasing God if your faith is to believe that God really is, that he exists. It's not just something we think about. It's not just something we hope about. But it, the Bible says that if you believe that God exists, then you're already a person of faith. You head to the right direction. And it says he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. How many here, at least at some level, you pray, read your Bible, and try to do spiritual things? Amen. Well, you're seeking him. And he says if you're diligently seeking him, you believe he exists, then you're set up for answered prayer. And that's what the rewards of serving God are, is your prayers being answered. But it says without faith. And so I want to look at what the definition of, of faith is, not in Webster's or some internet dictionary, but right up to verse 1 in the Bible. I always like to let the Bible define what it's talking about itself. How about you? Amen. Hebrews 11, 1, it says, Now faith is, well, he's getting ready to tell you what faith is. And in my King James Bible, it says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not, not seen. And to me, that's, that, that King James never has done a lot for me in reading that, where it's really helped me. But I've got two translations that makes that real plain for me. And every time I buy a new Bible, I write them right above that so I can understand what it is. Because if faith is what it takes to get blessed by God, and how many know that the Bible, the whole Bible is a book of faith? You read it by faith, the whole Bible. Well, I want to know what it is then so I can know if I am or I ain't when it comes to faith. And so he says, faith is, and the Moffat's translation, if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. Moffat was a man that really knew all the, all the Greek and the Hebrew and all those things, put things in talk we can understand. It says, faith means we're confident of what we hope for, convinced of what we do not see. Confident, convinced that what God said is true. We're confident if the Bible says it, that we can at least have hope for it. We're convinced, we're convinced because he said it, even though we don't see it, that it's ours. And so that's what the kind of faith is that pleases God. You are confident and you are convinced. And then I like the Amplified Bible. To me, this is just as good. It says a little bit different. Amplified Bible says faith is perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Your senses are what you see, what you hear, what you can feel, taste, touch, smell. That's your senses. Your body, your five physical senses tell you what's going on in the natural world, but your sixth sense, faith, your sixth sense, faith is your sixth sense. That's your spiritual sense. Your spiritual sense perceives as real fact that you're healed before your body knows it. Your faith perceives as real fact that that house you want to buy is yours before they've said, we'll agree to sell it to you. Your faith says, my child is going to pass this year in spite of what it looks like. In other words, whatever it is, you're believing for the word of God in your life to come to pass, says God's a rewarder of faith, and faith is being confident and convinced that if God said it, it's yours. Perceive it as real fact. What is not revealed to your senses. That's why so many people 
They're either lukewarm Christians or not even saved people think we're a bunch of looney tunes. Well, I'm getting that job. Well, how do you know I'm getting that job? I'm getting that job. Just watch. I'm getting that job. Look at that goofball over there. They barely made it through high school. All these people, multiple degrees, are up there at the front of the line, and they say they're getting that job. Next they have what happened? They got the job. Because they got a hold of the Word of God as tithers and givers, et cetera, et cetera. And I, got their own. I remember one time years ago, like, uh, man, don't tell anybody, but almost 50 years ago, <laughs> back when I was in my young truck, uh, truck, truck driving days before I was ever a preacher, I, I, I was at the top of the seniority list on my Teamsters trucking job, and there was a job that I wanted after I first got saved because I wanted to be able to be in church more and just do things more, et cetera, et cetera. And so they put, they put the, the bid up. They used to put the bids on a bulletin board in the driver's room. They had to stay up for two weeks. And then people walk up, they see a job they wanted, they sign their name on it. Well, I claimed this one job I wanted, 8 o'clock in the morning driving job. And so what happened for two weeks, all these other drivers, they get up there and, hey, Bob, you're going to take that? And I'm thinking about it. Well, I won't sign it then. Hey, John, are you going to take that? Well, I'm thinking about it. I won't sign it then. And so for two weeks, these guys debated who was going to get the job. And finally, the last day, the boss would come out and take the sheet down at 8 o'clock in the morning. They were still talking. And while they were sitting there talking, I saw him headed that way. I walked in wrote my name on it. And those guys said, did you see what happened? He got it. He got, how did he get that? I was confident convinced that job was mine. I got that job in spite of all those guys. And I'll tell you what, they, they kind of... They were uh, antagonistic against me because I was, I was a pretty bold Christian. He was a young, but I was a pretty bold Christian, and I used to be their drinking buddy. I used to run with them, and they thought I was a turncoat because I turned my life over to Jesus and walked away from sin. And so they really just kind of had a little thing going all the time. So when I got that, that was really a rub because they saw the Jesus boy did it again. Amen. I was confident and I was convinced. And so that's what faith is. And so we, we, we need to know, we need to know, now listen to what I'm going to say. This, this is what, what I'm getting ready to say is what spurred this sermon, what caused this to come out. We need to know if we're going to pray in faith about a situation. Does God want me to have this? Does God want me to do this? Or something coming against you, how to pray about it. And you can't pray in faith. If you think God might be trying to teach me something. And I know there's people here, people watching that are going through that right now, that there's something going on in your life coming against you or something you really like to have, but you're not sure God's involved with it. So you said, I don't know if that's God or the devil. I don't know how to pray. Until you know from the word of God where God stands and what you want, what you need, until you know if something coming against your life is God trying to do something or it's the devil trying to do something, you're never going to be in faith. You're going to be double-minded. James chapter 1 says a double-minded Christian is unstable in all their ways. You need to get yourself established where God stands. Now, I want to, I want to show you something before I go to my main text. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 3 and verse 4. 2 Corinthians 4, chapter 3, uh, chapter 4, 
verse 3 and verse 4, says, But if our gospel uh, be hid, it is him that are lost. Now, lost means unsaved. A person that hasn't received Jesus yet. It says, For gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost, in whom the God, you know it's a small g? Our God never has a small g by his name. He is the big God. He's the true God. And so, you know, let me just give you a suggestion. If you do social media and you talk about my God, please give him a capital G. Just don't put a little G on there like he's little God. Amen. It says, in whom the God, small g, God of this world, the God of this world. Well, I thought God was the God of this world. Well, God is the creator, but in the Garden of Eden, Satan came in. He became the temporary God of this world system. And so as the God of the world system says he has blinded the minds of them which believe not. He's blinded the minds of them which believe not. He's blinded the minds, blinded minds, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ to his image of God should shine into them. And so the thing is, the world is blinded. They don't really know there's a God. They're not sure about there's a God. But anything that happens, they say, well, it's an act of God. Well, it's an act of God. They're right. When destruction comes, pestilences comes, all the damage that comes, it was an act of God if they know 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, the God of this world. He was the one behind it. He's the one behind the wrecks. He's the one behind the plane crashes. He's the one behind the calamities, disasters that come. He's the one behind splitting up families. He's the one behind it. He's the God of this world. And so if something's going on in your life, and you say, well, it must be the will of God, well, then you don't really know much about the Bible yet. And so I want you to go to John chapter 10, verse 10. John chapter 10, verse 10. How, how many are aware, are consciously aware, that there's two families in the spiritual arena? The family of Satan and the family of God. And so the God of this world, and you know, I think about that again. So many things are attributed to my father that he had nothing to do with. An act of God. Well, it must have been the will of God. Well, the word of God is the will of God. You know, the, the, especially the New Testament are the letters, the epistles are letters written to the church. So the church will know where Jesus stands concerning their life and his will for their life. And so in John 10, verse 10, Jesus said, The thief, that's Satan, that's the devil, he cometh not, or he comes for one reason, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. The God of this world comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And he has, he has unsaved people's minds blinded to what's going on, and he has Christians' minds deceived that don't read their Bibles and go to church and study their Bibles. They're deceived, and they never know. They're, they're deceived, and they're confused. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But then Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Heather, put, put the Amplified up on the screen for this. I want you to see now the last part, because this is the part that's really going to revolutionize your prayer life. If you're one of these that's been confused all the time about is this God or is this the devil? 
I call this John 10.10b, the last part. Jesus said, I came that they may have and enjoy life. Have and enjoy life. And have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. He said, I can't may have and enjoy life, have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. I like what one of my Bible school teachers, Charles Capps was his name. He, used to, he was a pretty famous preacher for a lot of years. He always said about this verse that this was the dividing line of the Bible. This is the dividing line of the Bible. And I'm going to tell you what that means. Until you really, until you really comprehend and understand what Jesus was saying here, that you're going to be one of these, something bad's going to be coming, hit your house, either a divorce trying to hit, sick kids, losing a job, car wrecks or something, you're going to say, well, I don't know if that was God or if that was the devil. You're going to say things like that. Are you going to be having persecution on the job? People coming against you, your family turning on you, you be in the prayer line. I don't understand what happened, Pastor. She was my best friend. And now she's going around telling everybody this about me. I don't know if that's God or the devil. I don't know what's going on. Well, until you understand this verse, that's the way you'll be. You'll be confused. Once you understand this verse, it'll be very hard to offend you anymore when people turn on you, when things happen. It'll be very hard if you get upset with God when something bad happens in your family or on your job or in life. Financial things happen. It'll be hard for you to ever even think about getting mad at God again when you understand this. And so Charles Kapp said this verse is the divided line of the Bible. And what this means to me is this. When you're looking at things going on in your life, they either fall on one side of this line or the other. On one side or the other. Now listen to this. This is if you believe Jesus. You know, if you got your doubts about Jesus, then this probably won't mean much to you. But if you're a follower of Jesus and you believe that Jesus is your Savior, He died for your sins, raised from the dead, He's the one at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you. He's the one that when you pray to the Father in the name of Jesus, cause your prayers to be answered. If you believe in that Jesus, then this here will make sense to you. On that line there, if it's stealing, killing, or destroying, it's not Jesus doing it, it's Satan. If it's stealing, killing, and destroying, it's not Jesus. He's not involved with that. It's the devil. It's Satan and his demons. But if it's causing you to have and enjoy life, and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. It's not the devil. It's Jesus. It's the Father. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the angels of God. When you look at what's going on, if you line up this verse, it'll show you how to have confidence in God. It'll show you that if something good's going on, you don't have to doubt. You just have to praise Jesus for it. You just think of him, what he's doing in your life. Well, I don't, well, I don't know if God caused me to get that good job or not. I don't, know, well, I, don't, I don't know what happened. Maybe the devil gave me that job just to try to pull me away from God. Well, if it's got you working Sundays, Wednesdays, every other time, the devil might be involved with it. But it's, if it's something that's bringing blessing to you and your family where you can actually work less and make more money, be in church more, then praise Jesus for it. <laughs> Amen. You, we have to stop and look through the eyes of the word. And so for you to be able to know if it's God or the devil, when you look at things coming at you in life, always look at them through the words of Jesus. Always look at them through the words of Jesus. I want to say that again. If you will always examine 
things in your life through the words of Jesus, you're never going to be in doubt where it's coming from or what's going on. It'll help you know how to pray in faith and praise Jesus for the answer. I want to say that again. Hebrews 11, 6 says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. We got to believe that he's a rewarder of those who are serious about him. And that sounds to me like having and enjoying life. That's a good reward. In abundance to the full till it overflows. And, you know, that's not just talking about money and financial things. You know, you can have all the money in the world and be dying of some serious sickness and your money is no good, you're not enjoying life. You can have, you can, you can have all the money in Barstow and your family split up and only get to see your kids part of the time. You're not enjoying life. You may never worry about money, but it would be nice to see your kids. And so what I'm saying is this, God is a full package deal. When you are blessed, it's across the board. Your health's blessed. Your finances are blessed. Your family's blessed. You enjoy going into your job in the morning time. You can be singing, you can be singing and skipping a whistle and going to your job instead of hating to go in. I have to go in today, man. Got to go out there. Got to work by the sweat of my brow again. Got to try to make ends meet, you know. Uh, try to make ends meet. Well, you're not enjoying life. Something's being missed somewhere because the Bible is the will of God. Jesus said, the thief come to steal, kill, and destroy. I remember back in 1985. I don't, I don't know if Pastor Dave was quite bored yet or not. He was born in 85. But uh, back, back in 85, before I was preaching, teamster jobs were hard to come by. A lot of big teamsters companies went out of business, and I've been in teamsters for a few years. And so I found, found this company was going to hire me. And so before you got hired, they, they, they used your part-time. They called it casual. Then they put you on probation. So when I was on probation to become an employee, I was coming in every day at 7 or 8 o'clock, driving around Monday through Friday. A really, really good. I liked it. I thought, man, this is like the job I used to have. I really like this. But on my 30th day, the day I became an official employee, the owner of the company walked out of the dock there. He shook, shook my hand. He said, he said, welcome to our team. We're glad you're part of our company now. He said, by the way, starting next week, yours are going to be coming in at 7 o'clock at night, whatever time we get up in the morning from that, and also like Wednesday through Monday or something. So I'd, I, would, I would not be at church with my family on Wednesday. I wouldn't be at church on Sunday. I wouldn't see my kids go to school, come home from school. I was totally going to miss out on my family. Where the guys, has anybody ever seen this wonderful life? Do you remember, do you remember when, when Jimmy Stewart was sh shaking hands with Mr. Potter and he went, well, when Mr. Cook shook my hand and basically what he said was this, you'll never go to church again as long as you work for us. You'll never see your kids grow up because you'll be gone every night and in the morning time you'll still be on your way home from work. You won't see your kids. You won't go to church. I said, thank you, Mr. Cook, for the job, but uh, you better give it to somebody else. I said, I'm a Christian. Jesus is first in my life and my family's first in my life before a job. And so I said, I apologize to you for all the money you spent for me, for all the drug tests and all the checkouts and all the stuff you did to give me this job, but I can't take it. As he stood there for his mouth hanging open, I was turned around and walked off the dock. You know, what was I going to say? That was not going to be having and enjoying life in abundance to the full till it overflows. My kids, my kids now live a good Christian life. 
because I was there for them. Did they have all the, all the little trinkets and the goodies and everything that a lot of these other kids had that came from broken homes? They didn't have those things. I was talking to Mom, Miss, <laughs> Mrs. Pastor the other day at Christmas time. I remember when we didn't have money for Christmas trees or anything, we went out and picked, picked an old scraggly bush or something out of Nobleville, Indiana, and we still had pop bottles back then. We didn't have plastic ones yet. And I took an old coat hanger, and I wrapped around these bottles to make a ring out of it. I had a pair of old rusty pliers, and I made a circle. She had some yard. She put red yard around them. That was our ornaments. The other day, she was putting on a tree. She stood up, one of those ornaments left. I said, man, do we remember that day all those years ago? We didn't have anything. We made everything. And then I found an old birdhouse I made for one of the kids. We had, an old, we had an old barn, a really, really old barn made back in the 1800s, and some boards fell off the side of it and had an old rusty saw. And I took and sawed some things, and I got those old nails with an old hammer I had. I straightened up those nails, and I made a little old goofy birdhouse. That's what we had. But you know what we've got now? we got kids that aren't on dope, that are not running around out the world all messed up in life, not in and out of jail. They're alive. They're healthy. They blessed us with almost, what, how many grandkids? And so I can say that we have had and enjoyed life in abundance to the full, to it overflows. Our kids, our families at the top of the list, and we enjoy our life. And by the way, over the years, we begin to prosper. Now the kids got all the goofy gadgets they want. But, but it wasn't by chance. It was by choice. We made choices. And so anyway, uh, you need to look at things through the eyes of the word. When you got choices to make, well, matter of fact, look, look, look at James chapter 1. I want to show you something. Look at James chapter 1. Now, this will help you. James chapter 1, verse 13. How many love the Bible? How, how, how many truly, truly, truly want to never have to have that question again, is this God or is this the devil? Amen. James chapter 1, verse 13, let no man say, I circled that, because he's telling me something not to say, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> is that good preaching or what? Don't you want to say what the Bible wants you to say? He says, don't ever say this. Let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted with God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, either tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it breaketh forth sin. And when sin is finished, breaketh forth death. So let no man be tempted. Let me ask you this. Like that decision I made about that job. Is it the will of God for a Christian to have more church or less church? Is God ever in the midst of saying, Ilea, I'll tell you what, Ilea, I think you're such a good Christian and you're so strong, I'm acting like I'm God right now. This, God wouldn't say this, but some Christians think he would. You know what? You've been doing some good. I don't think you need that much church anymore. I want to give you promotion out there on your job, but you'll work, you'll work every Sunday and you'll never work a Wednesday night, I'm going to give you a promotion. Well, which God would that be? Would that capital G or small g? I mean, you know, that ought to be a no-brainer. 
But, you know, I've got Christians come up into my prayer line in this church and say, Pastor, oh, i got an open door before me. Oh, oh, pray for about it. Oh, because God's the devil. Well, I'm going to make a lot of money, twice as much money. I said, oh, good. It's all about money, huh? The love of money is the root of what? Amen. And, and, so, and so I'll tell you what. Oh, oh, I'm going to make some big bucks now. Oh, man, I'm making the big bucks now. I say, well, what, what's required? Well, number one, I have to move out in the middle of 10 bucks, too. They don't really have any Christians or anybody around places like where I'm going to, and, and I'll be working every weekend. I've got to get good daycare for my kids, and we're not going to have any church life, but I don't know if it's God or the devil. All I can say is if you're sitting under stuff like I teach tonight, I say, you goofball. You don't know if it's God or the devil? I don't know how much hope there is for you. Amen. I've been very serious about this. People come up and be in prayers like that. I, you know, I was thinking about one. Nobody's moving the camera around. You guys can hear me out there, right? Uh, I was thinking about one this afternoon. I remember back in Martinsville, Indiana, years ago, <laughs> had these people that were kind of new in the church, been around a little bit. And anyway, I remember uh, we took them out to supper one night, and we're sitting there. And this is an absolute true story. And this lady pointed at her old used car out there in the parking lot and said, you can't tell me it's not the will of God to have that car. I got turned down for seven, for seven different loan companies to buy that car, and God blessed me with that car. And I said, what's the interest on it? <laughs> like that, I said, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm glad that God blessed you. You've already been bankrupt. And you run out here like this. Is that God or the devil? What do you think? You know, we have a free will. We have choices to make. And when things are coming our way, he said, don't ever say, don't ever say, God's tempted you to violate the word of God. God is tempting you to do things that the Bible absolutely forbids. It says you're tempted by your own lust. And, you know, I, I, I just think about what Jesus taught in Mark chapter 4. Some of the things he said that, that steals the word of God of a Christian's life is lusting after other things. Lusting after things will cause Christians to get out of the plan of God. But at the same, th at the same time, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, he said, seek God first and he'll give you the things. And so God didn't say it was wrong to have nice things. He said it's wrong to put them first. And then once you begin to put the things first, you don't have things, they've got you. I remember, I remember back on one of my truck driving jobs. Uh, the guy, the guy's got a lot of overtime that wanted it. This one guy's a young guy. He liked to play around with a lot of different girls, I guess, because he always talked about all the girls he had. Well, he had a great big boat and had a, I don't know what was a little goofy sports car. It was a Ferrari or something. And he had, had a nice little fast, expensive sports car. And he had, had the boat. And then we cut back on the ours. And I remember this guy. Oh, I got to work. I got to work. I'll lose my boat. And, you know, there's Christians I know that have to work every minute all they can or they'll lose this thing, they'll lose that thing, they're paying for this or that. And say, there's something in the church and we're saying, hey, God God, God wants to, we got an opening here for what God wants to use somebody in. Here's what's required of it. And then for the first thing you have to think is, how much money will it cost me in overtime if I spend an extra two or three hours a week over there? I'd like to answer the call of God, but I can't. Because it cost me too much money. 
That's another good reason. That's another good reason to not go into debt, to pay cash for things. Amen. Well, I want, I want to close with Psalms 103. Psalms 103. I think I think it's a really good example of look through the eyes of Jesus, through the words of Jesus, about he came that you'd have a joy life in abundance to the full till it overflows at where he stands in it. Psalms 103, verse 2 and verse 3. I'll give you a chance to get there. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Has anybody ever, when you go to check it out a job, say, what's the benefits? You want to know what the benefits are? You know, do they, do they pay you time and a half for overtime if you're not on salary? Do they give you sick days? Do they give you a pension? Have they got a good health care plan? That's benefits. They're good benefits. Do you have family leave time on the job? That's benefits. Well, here for serving God, the Holy Spirit had David pray this prayer says, forget not all his benefits. And you know, we need to remember the benefits of serving God. And before you can forget something, you've got to know something. And if you don't know what he's getting ready to say here, then you're one of those people who's going to say, I don't know if this is God or the devil, what's going on in my life. I don't know. It might be a blessing in disguise. Can I tell you something? That's a worldly saying. God never does something in disguise. God does it out in the open for all to see. Satan's the deceiver that tries to make you be tricked that God's doing something. He makes you think something's a blessing in disguise, but actually it's like a hook in a big night crawler, a big wad of night crawlers, or chicken liver to catch a catfish. The chicken, catfish says, oh boy, there's a blessing. Take a big bite of that chicken liver or that wad of worms and get hooked. Cost his life. Well, that's what the devil does. Make you think you got a blessing in disguise. He wants you to bite it. He wants to take you out. He says, forget not all his benefits. Well, look at this. The benefits of God, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. And so let me ask you this. Based upon this verse right here, and what Jesus said about the thief coming to steal, kill, and destroy, and him what you'd have and enjoy in life. Now listen to this. This is very real. We deal with this every week with all of you and people come to the church. If you or a loved one have fallen into sin, according to what Jesus said, according to what David said right here, if you've fallen into sin or a loved one, is it God's will to forgive you and help you start over? Absolutely. See, you can't pray in confidence for forgiveness if you think. Uh, I've went, I went down so deep. I've got so far out of here. I've hurt God so bad he'll never forgive me. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said, I'll come to you to have a joy life. If you've got this weight on your shoulder of how mean you are, how evil you are, how anti-God you are, all the people you've hurt, if you've got that on your shoulder, you can never with a sincere heart say, Jesus, please forgive me and believe that he will. But he says right here, says right here, what are the benefits one of the benefits of serving God is he forgives all your iniquities. You see what I'm saying, how the deceiver works? The deceiver makes the 
God's not going to forgive you this time. Look what you've done. Look what you've done. How many times you've done that over and over? This is your life pattern. This is your track record. This is all you ever do. You do it, you do it, you do it. He says he forgives all your iniquities. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But then look what's attached to this. Who healeth all thy diseases. And we're talking about, we're talking about knowing the will of God if it's Satan or the devil. And so if sickness or disease attacks you, even if you open the door through sin, is it God's will to heal you? Absolutely. He said, Jesus said, the thief come to steal, kill, and destroy. The devil will try to get you unhooked from God through sin to destroy your life. And then while you're out there in Satan's territory, you may open the door to get something put on you. All sickness disease doesn't come through that summer. Just natural things happen because we're human beings on earth. And the earth fell and Satan became the God of this world. But sometimes when Christians get out there in Satan's territory, mess around too long, they get snagged. And if that happens, he says, it's his will, number one, to forgive all your iniquities, number two, to heal all your diseases. Because see, the reason I'm saying that is this. Some Christians get that lie on them. Well, God's doing this now to teach me something. Well, is it still kill and destroying? Is that diagnosis still kill and destroying? Is that having a joint life? It's still kill and destroying. If you've got a serious stuff that attached itself to your body, it's not having a joint life. I can tell you, in 2018, when I went through chemotherapy, had a heart attack, things I went through, I was not enjoying life. It was not a blessing in disguise. That was an attack of the devil trying to take me out. I got lots of things to do for Jesus yet, and the devil's trying to take me out. And so when I prayed, I prayed in confidence. I had confidence that the Word of God was working in my life. Did I make adjustments and corrections? Yes, I did. You know, when, you, when you're hit with serious things, you better have a tender heart. You better be praying. But the thing is, what I'm saying is this. According to the Word of God, no matter what you've done to open doors, God will close those doors if you come to Him. You know, I, I, I want to talk now to the judgmental Christians. When you look at those goofballs around you that keep on falling for the same thing instead of throwing stones at them, why don't you pray for them? Hey, man, I'm serious. You know, there's a lot of Christians, maybe some of you included, some watching out there, you've done the same thing over and over and over and over again. Well, you need to know that Christians around you should surround you and say, man, you know, that was absolutely stupid. I can't believe you fell for it again, but come on, get up. Let's get you right with God. Let's get to church. Let's get cleaned up. Let's serve God. There's too much to do out there for you to stay out here. <clears throat> Amen. That's anyway. I'm just going I'm, I'm to. I'm just going to close with verse four. He forgives. He heals. He redeems your life from destruction. He redeems your life from destruction, and then he crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. So the thief might lure you into sin. Not Jesus. Jesus wants you free. The thief put the sickness on you. Not Jesus. Jesus wants you healed. And so Jesus wants you to have and enjoy life in abundance to the fold till it overflows. I don't care what any religious preacher preaches. Contrary to that, he's preaching contrary to Jesus. 
And so the Word of God, the Word of God will always let you to know if something going on in your life is Satan or if it's God. If it's a blessing, it's from Jesus. If it's going to destroy your life, it's from the devil. And so your whole thing is you've got to make the choice. Are you going to believe Jesus or are you going to believe the lies? Amen. Amen. That's the best I got for you tonight. Amen. Well, let's stand up. Oh, by the way, Tom, thank you for not blanking me out. They all got to hear it. Thank you. Good job, Tom. Aren't we glad Tom's back there? On the, he's, he's, he's on the scene like that. The devil tried to steal, kill, destroy, but Jesus used Tom to give us sound of that more abundantly. Amen. But I'll tell you what, I, I think I preached some pretty powerful stuff to help you. And so we're going to pray for you if you need prayer for anything. And just know this, if there's something that you saw while we were praying, you made adjustments in life, then just praise God for it. If you need a prayer of agreement, let us hold hands with you and pray for you. But the main thing is, if you're not quite having and enjoying life in abundance to the full to overflows yet, come up here and let us pray for you and get you started in that direction. Amen.
Praise the Lord. Well, who received from the Word of God tonight? Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Those are my favorite verses right there in Psalm 103. There are benefits to serving Jesus. Amen. And they're much better benefits than any job or anything else could ever give us. Hallelujah. All right. Well, I want to remind you um, that uh, the Christmas Eve candlelight service is Friday at 6 o'clock. Yes. You should be here, you know, bring everyone out just for a brief period of time there. We're going to sing some songs and uh, light some candles, and it's just going to be an awesome time, so don't miss out on that. And then Sunday, yes, we have service at 10 a.m., but not 6 p.m., and next week's going to be a great end to 2021 as we go into the brand new year ready, amen, excited about what Jesus is doing. All right. Well, let's go ahead, and we're going to close out in prayer and speak some words of faith over Barstow tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for what we've seen in your word. And, Lord, we absolutely, we live by faith in the name of Jesus. For we know that it's impossible to please God without faith, according to Hebrews eleven six. And so we are going to believe you and trust you, Lord, and see great things in our lives in the name of Jesus. And, Lord, I thank you that as Christmas is just a few days away, Lord, Lord, that your blessing is on every family, on every person here. I thank you that it's going to be the absolute best Christmas that we've ever had, Lord, because it's all about you. And when we put you first, you'll bless our family. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. All right, let's say this together. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you Friday.